0: This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Ghosted, an American story, written and narrated by New York Times best selling ghost writer Nancy French, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Better Samaritan, where we're having conversations about how to do good better and faithfully. Hello and welcome to the Better Samaritan, where we are seeking how to do good better and faithfully. We're thrilled that our guest and friend Laura Howe is here. Before we introduce her briefly, my name is Kent Annan. I'm here with my colleague Jamie Ayton, hosting this podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about mental health in the church, and we have such a great guest, Laura. Laura is a mental health clinician and community development strategist for churches that want to care for their communities without burning out. She is the founder of Hope Made Strong, and Laura, we're grateful you're with us.
1: I am so pumped to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Laura, so we're talking about mental health in the church. Mental health is always been an issue. These last few years become more of an issue, but give us a quick diagnosis. What are you seeing as you have this unique picture of the landscape of mental health in the church? What are the main issues right now?
1: I think mental health has always been there, maybe slightly under the surface always. People always have struggled, whether it's anxiety, depression, loneliness, fatigue from burnout. And while we might not have had that same language. These are experiences that every single person has always felt. And I think the collective trauma that's been experienced through COVID and the hardships that have been faced by so many has really become like an incubator for some people's struggles. If people are doing well, they're doing all right. They're doing well. But if people were even marginally struggling, then this has grown so much. And what I think for me, the biggest change around mental health in the church has been is the language and the identifying of mental health struggles. So people have become more aware of what they've experienced as rather than just pulling up their bootstraps and carrying on that it is indeed a struggle and a hardship or suffering that they may have felt in that this is not what God has intended for them in that well-being or better balance or better health can be is possible. And so I think that is what I've really noticed around mental health in the church is that people's awareness of what struggle is, maybe the language and what people have been calling it, and the collective understanding that we all struggle and that we all suffer at times with our mental health.
0: Thanks, Lauren. I think when these mental health subjects come up, I often then sort of switch over and start asking Jamie questions as well. So Jamie, as a psychologist, how would you You know, build off what Laura said and see what you're observing in the landscape of mental health issues in the church today. Yeah. So I'll talk about really kind of like two
2: major trends that I've seen that for me really kind of mark that there's been a tipping point in the conversation about mental health in the church. That, you know, one being that pretty much any pastor that I've talked to or church leader or congregation that I've visited in the last couple of years, mental health tends to be one of the first things that comes up in conversation that there seems to be a much greater openness to discussing it. Just like what Laura was saying, that these aren't new issues, but they have been complicated, you know, through some of the overall experiences that people have been going through. And then the second way that I knew that something seemed to be different was when, if you remember during COVID-19, there was the reunion of Parks and Rec, and it was more or less an entire episode about mental health issues. So that was the other major tipping point that I knew something has shifted in our culture and in our church.
0: So it shifted for both of you, but Laura first shifted. And then how do you see churches responding right now? Not, Of course, there's a wide range of responses, but how are churches who are seeing this as a need responding right now?
1: Mm-hmm. About nine months ago, I piloted a program called the Care Ministry Cohort. And this was really a gathering of ministry leaders whose focus is offering care and support to their congregation and to their community. And what I noticed within this group of about 30 churches representing all different sides of churches, all different denominations, all across North America, Canada, and the US, is that churches are starting to see that they have, maybe responsibility is too strong of a word, but they have an opportunity or Or there's a need that they're first responders, that people are coming to them, whether they're ready or not, or whether they're prepared or trained or otherwise, that people are coming to the church for support, for community support, for resources, for tools, for strategies, for help. And in this cohort, many, I would say 50 to 60% of the people were in this position as a care coordinator or support person for less than... 18 months. And so what I'm seeing within the church is that churches are taking action and seeing that they have an opportunity to really connect and be healers in this space of mental health. Now, I'm not saying people are stepping into the role of clinician or treatment, but people are seeing that the power of community and the power of collective faith and the networks that they have naturally and organically in their church, it can really provide a lot of hope and spaces of healing and community for People who are struggling
0: with churches' missions. You, you founded Hope Made Strong. What you just described, you're taking 30 people and so 30 churches through this. What do you think churches do best? You know, like you said, they're not clinicians and doing treatment. There's this mutual support. What do you think churches can do best in this space of helping congregants and a community on mental health issues?
1: Well, I kind of had a broad perspective of what care or mental health is. And so I define care ministry as any intentional ministry or action that a church does to increase belonging, purpose, and hope. And I think the sense of having a community to belong to, understanding that you have value and purpose, and looking to have hope for the future. These are three really core functions of well-being for any individual, regardless of age, age or demographic. And so I think this is what is unique about the local church, that no counselor or community organization has the unique ability to infuse belonging and purpose and hope quite like the local church. And I think these are core components that can really, really transform communities.
0: Jamie, what would you add there? And so I was thinking of some about like the principle we teach our master's students about, you know, when a disaster happens, and if you think about mental health in this way, is this kind of slow moving or crisis, and then encourage local groups to pivot into their strength, you know, to address it and not to, you know, try to become an NGO if you're a church or become a church if you're an NGO. But so thinking about that with the church's strengths, and there's this mental health crisis, just reframing slightly what Laura just talked about, how do you see the church's strengths can help to address the current crisis?
2: Well, I just want to really echo what Laura was sharing and I, you know, as I think about the mental health crisis, just encourage mm-hmm. the church to be the church, right? That we've been called to gather to be able to share with one another. And that's what people need in these times. But That's not enough. We can also do that work better, right? That we can be more intentional. We can think about what does it mean to have a trauma-informed space or place to gather? What does it mean to be able to recognize the mental health struggles with others and to get them connected to the different services that are available or resources both in their own church or in the broader community? And so in the same way that we teach in disasters in our spiritual first aid curriculum, one of our sessions is on becoming a trauma-informed church, community, or organization. And you know, one of the things that we teach there is to really focus on what are those strengths and what you already do well, and then how do you pivot that to address whatever challenges ahead? And so we've taught that with everything from major disasters to civil conflicts, and now for mental health. And how to kind of draw so like maybe your church is really strong in caring for our children and have a really thriving ministry for children. Well, then start there to tackle mental health. Or maybe you've got a really strong Meals on Wheels program and working with older adults. Well, then start there with your mental health program. So look for that need and then where your strengths overlap.
0: Could you get even more concrete, Jamie, on that? So you mentioned Meals on Wheels and kits. Like, what does that look for a church to lean into that and get equipped? And like, what does a church do?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's a couple of different approaches. You know, one is to be able to, and in some cases, churches may need to start from scratch, where maybe they need to create or they have the resources to create a full blown mental health. Kind of ministry, but another approach can also be to think about how do we integrate mental health into everything we already do? And so kind of building off where there is support. So in the case of like a meals on wheels, it would be to start looking at what are some common mental health issues that older adults struggle with or those who are are maybe shut in and we're taking the meals to them, regardless of what the situation is. You know, how do we recognize what those problems are? And then how do we provide more than just food? in that situation right i still remember being in japan after the 311 tsunami and we were leading a pastors conference there and at the end of one of the speakers this young leader stands up in the back and he asks the senior pastor who was up front of you know it's all good and well that we're going out serving tea to others who've been impacted by the tsunami but when are we going to share the gospel and the older pastor paused for a moment and he responds Well, then what have you been serving with your tea? And so I think we can take that same approach when it comes to mental health, that you know, when we take a meal to someone, we're not just providing for their physical needs, we're providing for their spiritual needs. But we also now need to become more sensitive to the mental health issues and how we can address those.
0: Laura, what are examples that you've seen that make you really excited about churches doing this? Jamie mentioned a couple of concrete things. What are some concrete things you've seen recently or heard about in churches that make you excited for how they're responding to mental health needs?
1: Yeah. A common concern for people is struggling to find volunteers. So traditionally, when we think of churches, programs, or ministries, it's very volunteer-driven. And we see this in everything from – kids and youth programs to hospitality to music programs and small groups. It's very volunteer driven. And so when people say, okay, I want to do a mental health ministry, I want to serve in mental health, we immediately go to that same model where it requires a lot of training and a lot of volunteers, a lot of Mm -hmm. time. And this can become a heavy responsibility and almost overwhelming to any church saying, look, we are struggling as leaders with burnout, compassion fatigue, and overwhelm. How can we ask more of the few volunteers we have? And I can really empathize with that. My church is in the exact same position where it's like, okay, trying to get back into routine or trying to not even routine, but get back some ground that we feel like has been lost? And how do we engage people? It's hard enough to engage people to serve coffee in the morning, let alone have people support and serve others who are (laughs) suffering or struggling. And so it can be a big ask.
2: (laughs) Well, I just want to say serving coffee at your church is a mental health intervention. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm big on research and I'm telling you what, there's good research to support (laughs) that that's going to raise the emotional levels in a positive way for people. So
1: That's a good And even point. if there's not that's research for
0: everybody, it will work for Jamie and make Jamie more <laughs> mentally healthy. So.
1: That's so yes. true. Oh my gosh, that's so true. But one of the things that I'm really excited is that people are starting to look outside the box as to what they can do for mental health supports. And it's shifting from what is a program that can be, you know, that there's heavy in volunteers where how can we impact individuals in a heavy way? And and in a creative way. So I've, a couple people I've seen or heard of that is doing more, I want to say webinars or lunch and learns or activities after lunch where people stay behind, learn about parenting and mental health or technology or relationships or how to overcome anxiety. And it's, Less of a one on one heavy resource, which I think can be combined with the ministries you're already doing. So, you know, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Like Jamie said, just do what you're already doing, but with an intentional way. But then they're coming along and saying, okay, we need to raise the awareness and decrease stigma around mental health. So we're going to have these open forum conversations around these deep issues that people are experiencing in their homes and at work and in their communities so that they know that this is a safe place and they bring in experts from their community so that they have resources to point people to after the fact. Or they have, you know, books or podcasts or or courses that they have where they can lead people to next steps. So the responsibility isn't to do all and be all things to all people in the church, but it's more of shifting the perspective of to do what you're already doing, but do it intentionally, like Jamie said, and then creating these spaces where people feel comfortable or at least the stigma is decreased and bringing awareness to really key issues. It's really exciting to see people looking outside of the box.
0: Laura, that's, it's so great hearing about that and just think those lunch and learns and the resources are, are also helpful and parent seminars is one that's on my mind as a parent. It seems like a really natural pivot to go into the Church Mental Health Summit, which you founded. And for the second year, Spiritual First Aid is joining in and being part of this year, which we're really excited about. Can you tell us a little bit about the Church Mental Health Summit, how that fits into this resourcing of churches, but then resourcing a church to be really engaged on this issue.
1: Yeah. I'm really excited to collaborate on the Church Mental Health Summit with Spiritual First Aid and your team, as well with Rosemead and Biola's Rosemead School of Psychology. I think there's a lot of momentum happening around the Church Mental Health Summit because of the collaborative efforts of our little try. What is it in research when there's three? I forget. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I think it's a really triangulate
2: the evidence.
1: There you go. There you go. There you have it. Because what we're trying to do is really equip the local church to support mental health, the mental health of their leaders, of their church, and their community. And how we're doing this is on World Mental Health Day, October 10th, we're offering this summit live and free for anyone who wants to log in on that day. And when you log in, you're going to find over 60, probably, pretty close to 65 tracks or 65 talks, I should say, split into four different categories or four different tracks. And these tracks are global health, which is talking about those or providing resources to those who are on mission or cross-cultural workers, as well as giving perspective of the cultural context of faith and mental health for all kinds of different cultures within North America and the world. The second category is Community health. These are talks that identify and address issues that anyone within our communities are going to experience. The third talk or the third track is on church health, and these talks are about culture and ministries that are within, we'll say within the walls of the church. So we're talking about stigma congregational care, small groups, different programs and ministries for that. And then the final track is on leadership health. And leadership health is exactly what you would think if you identify as a leader in your home, in your workplace, or in your church. You're going to hear a lot of really amazing resources and tools and strategies to support your well-being as you lead others. And so I'm just so pumped about this summit because we're reaching the world. Last year, we had over 80 countries and over 5000 people register. And so I think what we're talking about this mental health crisis is starting to really people are hungry for this information. It's gaining momentum, where I'm so excited to partner with you guys in bringing really high quality content for free to everyone around the world on October 10th.
2: Wait, what was the cost of that again?
1: It was free, Jamie. (laughs) Free for you. So yeah, so to be able to access the summit, it's free on October 10th. And... I try to hit as many time zones as I can. So people are like, oh, it's not in my time zone. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a time because I'm counting in Eastern time because that's where I am. So from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. So what is that? That's 16 hours of open free access. So I'm sure within those 16 hours, there is a reasonable time for everyone to be able to access for free. But I think, Ken, to answer your question, how is this helpful for churches to support others, is the all-access pass. And so this all-access pass allows you lifetime access to the summit. And you can use that for onboarding your staff, training your volunteers, or even having some of these community conversations that I mentioned before Show some of these talks. They're only about 20 minutes per speaker, and they're really focused on actionable strategies for you and your team and those who are listening. And so it's a great way to start having the conversation around mental health.
0: It's a great resource for that. And Jamie, what do you say to you about the upcoming summit and how does it tie in with spiritual first aid?
2: Yeah, you know, I think what I'm most excited about is just all of the great speakers. You know, I mean, we have people from all walks of life and backgrounds and ministries and mental health specialties and experts in different topics. And so regardless what your interest is in when it comes to mental health, I'm sure you're gonna be able to find several great speakers and talks on that. And the other thing is that not only that, but one of the things that I love about how Laura really has evolved the summit and everything. And, and her imprint has been that this isn't just talking heads. This is practical information that you can listen to and turn around and put into action. You know, so this isn't just about learning more stats, which I know I am prone to doing sometimes, but this is <laughs> really wants about, to hear about how that, do we Jamie. walk away. <laughs> oh, I know. I sometimes actually, like I just gave a, I was on his panel the other day, And I started with, if you need to get up and get coffee, get it, because I'm going to answer this first question in three research studies. So get coffee and let's buckle up. Here we go. You said Um, a few people
0: actually took you up on it. That was unfortunate. Yeah, they did. Like a lot,
2: actually. And I think only one person in the room was like, I like research, too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's very
1: valuable, but people have a problem to solve, right? And right,
2: and, and, what and the problem is that <laughs> if we can't take research and translate it into practice, there's an issue. Mm, that's and, and that's one of the things that I love how you've approached this, that you know, you've asked people that know the research and know, you know from experience of how to do this type of important work, but also know how to translate it so that regardless what our backgrounds are, we can still take something from it and turn around and use it.
0: Last question for each of you thinking the, your organization is Hope Made Strong, Laura, and what we've talked about, can you tell us a story about something? Like we've talked about it's encouraging that it's becoming destigmatized, churches are equipped, working in these areas. Could Laura and then Jamie, do you have a, a story you could tell that, that gives you hope in this moment, makes your hope strong about where the church is and how the church is and can respond to this mental health crisis?
1: The more people I talk to about mental health in the church, the more I'm starting to feel like God is really shifting things or maybe we're becoming more and more connected to each other. And that gives me a lot of hope. The other day I was speaking with someone who is really passionate about Alzheimer's and supporting those with a mental illness, maybe in a different way than we naturally think as far as anxiety and depression. And then I spoke with another person, you know, probably only about 20 minutes afterwards, who was super passionate about equipping the churches to become more trauma-informed. And each one of them has said, you know, I've been thinking about this for years, but I'm finally connecting to other people. And we're able to have these conversations more and more with our leaders and our churches. And these two people weren't from the same area. We're talking all over the world, this shift is happening and this connectivity is happening, whether it's in Africa or Asia, Australia, Europe, or here in North America. This awareness and this I, being able to identify the church has the answers to eternity. Absolutely. But we also can support people in the here and now around their struggles and transform communities, transform lives and families. And it's really, really exciting.
2: And for me, I think one of the things that's been so exciting has been to really see people starting to realize that they're capable of helping in ways that they, I don't think, previously were aware of. You know, One of the things that we often hear from people that go through our spiritual first aid certificate course is that you know, hearing that they finally feel like, oh, I actually have something to give. And that kind of light coming on for people of realizing that every one of us, regardless what our skill level is or our background or if we're professional helpers or not, that we all have a role to play when it comes to mental health care. And that, you know, I just continue to be encouraged by some of the research. Sorry, I'm going to have to end on research now that we've been talking about it so much. Okay. But, you know, That's that we've done are. in these different and areas. We love you for it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Has been. You know, just continuing to see that when people receive positive spiritual support from others, that we start to see decreases in anxiety, decreases in depression, that it buffers against PTSD. And I'm talking in everyday situations, but also in some of the places that we've studied, you know, such as after mass shootings and major disasters. So to see how that just really caring and loving another person can make such a huge difference. And you know, one of the things that can um, that we talk about at the beginning of our course is that, you know, we kind of jokingly ask people about, like, do you know where your first aid kit is, right? And, or we've done this in our workshops. And if we ask in the workshop, every hand pretty much goes up, like, yes, I, I have a first aid kit. And when we ask about location, they're like, eh, a few hands go down. And then we ask, well, do you know how to actually use all the tools? In your kit. And then not very many hands are still held up at that point. But then by the end of the day, they realize that, oh, actually, I have all the skills. I've got most of the knowledge. I just need to learn how to use it when, where and how in the right way. And so I think that's been the most encouraging part of helping to see others start to see that, oh, we can all make a difference.
0: Thanks, Laura and Jamie. As you both answered now, I, I wasn't planning on it, but I'm gonna answer my own question as well. <laughs> I think one one thing that I've found encouraging and for us it's been specifically working on on spiritual first aid, but also with the church mental health summit is that when we address these mental health needs, including burnout and how to step in with people with more confidence, knowing what we can do and can't do, that it really ripples out to what we talked about on the Better Samaritan of doing good better, that it equips people to think, oh, we can do this work with the local food kitchen or the local NGO that serves people who are are unhoused and homeless, and we can do this other work. And it just seems like they really complement each other, this idea of doing Get better and taking care of ourselves. And if our leaders aren't burned out, then they can do better work to serve. So it's really, I keep seeing this connection between the mental health issue and the church, but also, you know, with this issue of how do we serve our communities in these broad ways, which totally makes sense because we're holistic people and giving holistic care compliments, you know, compliments the different efforts we make. So I've definitely found that hopeful as well. So. want to just get the details one more time for the Church Mental Health Summit. Maybe Jamie and then Laura, you can add on like a a sort of final word. We'd love Jamie to share about the Church Mental Health Summit. And then Laura, if you have a word for someone who's listening, who's, you know, feeling maybe this sounds good, but it's a little bit overwhelming. Just if you could end with a direct encouragement to benediction for our listeners who who very much we want to keep encouraging, then we'll do that. So Jamie and then Laura. If you want to get involved, register at
2: churchmentalhealthsummit.com. And the date is October 10th. And as Laura mentioned, she's found a way to make this work regardless of your time zone. So make sure to register early.
1: I would love to encourage people that if you're not sure if this is for you, check it out see if you know the nice thing about this is that it's like Netflix where you log in and you get access to all the talks and you don't have to have a schedule or wait you can just peruse and scan all the talks to see if there's something available for you and then you always have the opportunity to share that with a friend I think all of us know of someone who might be struggling or know of someone who's you know, a carer or a caregiver of others. And this might be the encouragement that they they're looking for the support or the resource or the tool that they're wanting. And so if you're curious, like you said, you can register, but also feel free to share this with others because it is free. And uh, we could all use some of that encouragement.
0: Laura, thank you. We're encouraged getting to talk with you. Thank you for the work you're doing serving churches around the world. We're grateful for the chance to partner with you. And we're grateful to each of you who are listening. It's an honor to get to walk along this path as we keep on seeking how to do good better and to do so faithfully. Thanks, and we'll talk with you more soon. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series, Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com slash ct.